Hello and welcome to this week's Jumping to Conclusions podcast with me, Ryan Bliss, and him, Harry Durham. Hello! Last week we heard from champion point-to-point rider Will Biddick about his phenomenal success, which took him to the top of the charts in the all-time British point-to-point riders. This week we have a similarly ranking guest who trained his 3,000th winner recently and has just been crowned 11 times champion trainer. Harry, a lot has gone on this week. You've had a, you've been to Kempton State where you've had a couple of winners. Mm. It's been a really good day. Yeah, good start. Good start to the season. It sounds ridiculous, but um, when you're on zero, even though you had a good season last year, you're like, just want to get off zero. <laughs> Don't want to like, have a blank day. So two winners, good start. Dolos winning the feature race was very nice. Like, genuine deserving horse. So, um, yeah, great start. Uh, double on the day and uh, onwards and upwards. On that subject, it's been a big week, obviously in Ireland. The amazing retirement of Ruby Walsh, who apparently only his family knew, even that his great friend and and uh, trainer, Willie Mullins, didn't have a clue before he went out to win on Kenboy. Yeah, I think, um, look, what, what, what can you say about him? He's the best rider I've ever seen. He's the best rider I'm sure many people have seen. Massively missed. I loved watching him. Him and Paul were the reason I got into racing, watching him ride big winners. Many, many people tried to emulate riding like him. There will never be another Ruby Walsh. And, yeah, you could, I mean, you could talk about it for hours, couldn't you? But you could, I indeed. think he's the best there, there's ever been. When we've talk, spoken before, Harry, you've, you've said how when you, all the time you were riding, Paul's instruction for you quite a lot often was just follow Ruby through. And even when you, once you pass him, you'd always be looking to him for advice. Yep, get on with it, Harry, kick on, time to go. Uh, so he's, it's fair to say he shaped your career in a huge way. Massively, yeah. As I say, I mean, I wouldn't, I literally wouldn't have gone to horses if it wasn't for Paul and him. What a thing, to be able to go out that way, to win a Punchestown Gold Cup 20 minutes from your home, um, with your whole family there, riding for your boss. Yeah, I mean, just full marks to him. Absolute brilliant, brilliant rider. I think to come back from injury as often as he has, the amount of bones he's broken, and to continue to ride with that level of brilliance is just the most incredible yeah. testament to his just fabulous natural ability. And he wanted to do it on his own terms, didn't he, finishing? It know? seemed that way. Yeah. For even Willie not to know until he got yeah. off the horse and then said, you better look for someone else for the next one. I yeah. think that's the great way to yeah. I think my favourite Ruby moment was when Denman won his second Hennessy. Uh, firstly, it was for Paul Barber, but secondly, one of the greatest weight-carrying performances I've ever seen. And the epitome of what that horse was, strong, weight-carrying, staying chaser. I, Ruby at his brilliant best that day. Is there one moment that sticks out in your mind? I have so many. A funny little memory I have was uh, I was riding a horse called Empire Levant at Newbury in the Jerry Fielding. I'd won on them two days before at Newbury. Carried 10 stone and Ruby rode the top weight, who was that year's champion hurdler, Rock on Ruby. And I remember getting a great slipped round through the race and jumped two out and kind of made the best of my way home and about 15 strides from the last all of a sudden Ruby Walsh came alongside <laughs> me absolute canter and went by me in one four or five lengths and um, I wasn't even annoyed to be beaten by him it was just like so cool to be competing with him down to the last um, in a good herd race on a Saturday uh, it was absolutely incredible and for AP to say he was better than him that probably, <laughs> that's quite that, yeah, that it? sums up, doesn't it? It like, does. I don't think anyone else needs to say much. No. I read the best article I've read on it is Alistair Downs' piece in the Sunday Racing Post. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. I'm a big fan of Alistair's writing. Yeah, great writing. That piece I thought summed him up. His guile, his like brain in a race, physically strong. He had everything. Well, I hope we get to see plenty more of him on the media on TV. Yeah, I think we TV. will, won't we? By the sound of it. Mm, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so because there's not much he doesn't know about jump racing. 
No, there's not much he doesn't know about racing. I mean, no. You, you listen to him because he's, he's got a good forthright opinion. Like He obviously knows yeah. a lot more than an awful lot of us. Yeah, I, it sounds like we're not going to lose him from racing, which is obviously brilliant news. And a fourth Guineas double for our hero, Aidan O'Brien. Yeah. Magna Grecia winning the 2000 Guineas. I will say about that, actually, that I thought it was very unsatisfactory. Well, you're not the first to have said it. Yeah. He won a three-horse race, people are saying. Yeah, and I, I just think, I don't know how anyone's getting a big kick out of that. No. I mean, you could no. see from halfway, the three on the, on the stand side were a long way clear. Yeah, they were getting a good lead, weren't you they, know, from and, Sylvester D'Souza. And I just, I just feel like a race that has so much bearing hmm. on future bloodlines um, to find the best colt in a generation. Yeah. And because you're on a certain part of the track, yeah, yeah. I, I, it didn't sit great with me. Um, it's, it's not the first time they've received that criticism and some people were vocal beforehand because they took that false rail out yeah apparently they put 12 mil of, ra- of water on the course leading up to it because they half panicked and the fact they hadn't had any rain which was sort of promised and then of course it rained on the day so it went to good and then quickened up for the next day for a thousand guineas where Aiden won with one of his outsiders remarkably yeah and a tough performance he's mm. made all the running but that just shows like with Aiden, you could be on a fifth string and it doesn't matter. They're still like, great horses, still fancy yeah, them. absolutely. I must say, as a as a racing fan, the Guineas didn't massively satisfy me from that perspective because I'm sure Donica's horse was probably the best horse in the race and it may well prove through the season that he is the best of that generation. But yeah, in a race as prestigious and exciting in terms of the pecking order for three-year-old Colts, I didn't yeah. like the idea that if you were drawn one side or you raced up a certain part of the track, then... Supposedly, you weren't in with a chance. I, I just didn't really yeah, satisfy me. Yeah, I, I went on the Saturday. I must admit, I, I found the race a little bit disappointing. Yeah. I thought, a shout out to Aiden's other horse, Ten Sovereigns, drop, drop, when he drops back to six furlongs, I could see him winning a Commonwealth Cup. Certainly maybe. a Commonwealth yeah, Cup, yeah. if not a July Cup. He yeah. looks absolutely top notch, I think. Yeah. And um, he just he had no one to carry him into the race, did he? Absolutely not, no. Like no. He, he kind of got there and Ryan couldn't commit because, well, he had no one to carry him. And yeah. It just just wasn't massively satisfactory. No, what, and I, look, I don't even pretend for a second to know anything about flat racing, but just as a racing fan, yeah, which is what I watch flat racing as. Yeah, yeah. I I would kind of guess that there were some people that maybe felt the same. Best winner of the day, in my opinion, Mabs Cross winning a second Palace House Stakes. And I think tipped by our friend of the podcast, Megan Nichols. She tipped him in the morning. She was telling me that she fancied this horse. Was she? And she put it up in her son column. Shout out to Meg, what a joke. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Six to one as well, good price. Interesting enough, three horses have carried the Group 1 penalty in the last 20-odd years. Uh, my favourite, Marsha, who I absolutely adored. Course, yeah. And Loxon back in the 90s. But it's funny, it's three fillies it's taken to, to carry that Group 1 penalty and yeah, beat yeah. that. She's just tough as teak, I love her. Um, and the following day, UAE Jewel, a Dubawi horse, won his second race, unbeaten won a listed race. For Roger Verring, cost a fortune as a yearling and looks like it could be absolutely top-notch. Well, there you go. Very interesting for the future. So our flat correspondent, Ryan Bliss. Um, got Chester and Lingfield coming this week. Got more Derby trials. Aidan's got hundreds of entries. While we're on the subject of what's happened in racing and what's going to happen, on Friday, something truly epic happened, and that was Will winning on Cade de Burley. Yeah, that was... In the Fox Hunters at Punchestown. We obviously had him on the pod last week. He was loads of fun. And um, I got massive, massive amount of satisfaction from that. To see Cade back to that sort of form for Rose Loxton, who's not been particularly well at the moment. Um, oh, it was just amazing. Like, he just jumped, kind of jumped to the lead with a circuit to go and just proceeded to go further and further clear. Like, he was a 
you would say probably as good a performance as Cade has ever put in. We we went to Cheltenham hoping he'd do well, Harry, didn't we? Yeah. After the race, Rose was a bit sort of scratching her head. She wasn't quite sure why he didn't perform that day. So it's really good to see him back, back to his best. He must just... I don't know whether he loves punches down, loves the yeah. trip over or something. Something brings him to life around he there. He loves it there, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, like he's... He he's an interesting horse in the sense that sometimes if he's not on a going day he just will not go. No, and, like Cheltenham. Uh, yeah, and but just from the word go on Friday he was just winging fences, mm. taking it all in his stride. He looked to massively enjoy himself, and um, I was delighted for the whole team oh, of Bob Donlan, who is owns the vast majority of Cade, is a good friend of mine and really nice guy, and he has a house in Dublin, so it was very very satisfying for him Brilliant. to for Cade to go and to win the Punchestown Fox Hunters again. Absolutely. A really cool moment. And if anything is going to make Rose feel better, it'll be how the horses are running at the moment. Exactly. I they're think they're at... giving her a timely boost, aren't they? Absolutely. Virac was, was third at Cheltenham just a few minutes later, but to see Cade win like that was an absolutely astounding achievement for them all. Well yeah. done, well done, Team Loxton. Yeah, well done, Team Loxton. Shout out. And well done to Rose's husband, Sam, who does nearly all the work with the horses now, and, and the kids as well. They, they're they a fantastic team, Harry, aren't they? Yeah, Sam has, Sam has been amazing. You know, she's been so strong and like, they're, um, they're a great family and I was absolutely made up for them to, to mm. win a big race like that. Couldn't agree more. And we also, I think we mentioned Ella Ortowell and There's No Panic. Another who, winner. Who won on Saturday at Fleet Park. Yeah. Good, well done to Ella. They're like London buses then winners. That's it. Well, or taxis or whatever you call them. I, I think this time she actually let someone lead for a couple of fences before she kicked on for the rest of the four mile race. So well done to her anyway. Her second winner from just four or five rides. Incredible achievement. Yeah, great, great stuff. Um, Harry, now let's move on to other sports, other news. Golf, tell me about your golfing week. So I was lucky enough um, to be invited to the Racing Welfare Charity Golf Day at Woburn. Um, played for a team that was uh, sponsored by Mawson. Oh, brilliant. Was our main sponsor, so Jed Mason, who kind of got us on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, played with a good friend of mine, Ed Henderson, who... Coincidentally, wants to be a contributor to the pod, but he's I'm, very welcome. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, okay, maybe maybe he's not funny enough. And then Daryl Jacob played on our team, and a mate of his called Kev. Um, yeah. Daryl's a very keen golfer, I understand. A very good golfer, actually. Do you know Daryl's one of those guys? He's just annoyingly good at everything. <laughs> there you go. Oh man, and he was very good on Sunday, and we gave him plenty of stick when he wasn't as good as he. Oh really? Can be. But, yeah. Um, Daryl was obviously with Paul for a good while and yeah. good mate, get on with him really well. Um, it was cool to spend the day with him and it was a good a good day bar my... How was your performance on the day, Harry? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll give myself kind of a three out of ten mm-hmm. on, the, on the whole. It's disappointing. Yeah, but but almost predictable at this stage. That's disappointing. I'm sorry you're not in great form at the moment. I, I don't even think it's form, Ryan. No. no. <laughs> I just think maybe maybe I need to stop saying I'm having a bad round. Oh. And actually, I, that's just my game. Oh, well. Maybe I'm just bad at golf. There's nothing quite like hacking away at a bit of turf for an hour mm. of an evening just to relieve your stress of the day. To retire at golf but at your tender age, I think, Harry, leaves you with a void in your life. And I've already retired from racing, race riding. Exactly. So, I mean, I can't retire from golf as well. You're going to have to find another hobby. Quite. Cricket news. Somerset have had a bad week. Oh, God, a couple, Ryan. Of, a couple of losses, which is sad. So, so we um, started talking about them, they seem to have got worse. I know. It's great to see Jamie Overton back in the team that over the weekend. Because he's our favourite cricketer. He is our favourite cricketer. By we a long way now. I mean, I've met him once and he Just likes the, the podcast. Yeah, so well, there you go. Absolute hero. That, yeah, he's my favourite cricketer. Yeah. I think it might be time to bring in our special guest this week, Harry. I think it is. I think we've got a big guest. I thought 
it would take a while and we'd have to work up to this. Yeah, me too. I still I'll, can't I'll believe it's going to happen. Um, but he's a man who's used to getting what he wants and he more or less demanded that this was his week. I think he, I, I think he pleaded with us. Did he have FOMO? Did, was it like the I, fear of not being involved? The, the line that confirmed to me that he wanted to be on the pod was, I was listening to last week's and it sent me to sleep. <laughs> and I thought, when I heard that, I thought, there's a man... Who wants to be on the pod? Maybe the fact that we're that boring. At well, least we're helping. If he's got a really stressful day in November, yeah, and he's got fifteen entries on the Friday, twenty entries on the Saturday, and we can make him go to sleep with an average podcast. <laughs> if we're helping the team, Happiness. so be it. Actually, I hadn't thought about it, but now after what you've just said, I'm going to add sleeping to when you've got to make those ticks to say which interest your podcast falls nice. into like we're currently nice. sports recreation yes but if we can help with people sleep then then more power to us absolutely well, i think it's time to bring him in let's bring him in 11 times champion trainer paul nichols hi paul good evening um great to see you thank you for coming on we we thought we'd have to work up to you coming on the podcast so to have you on so soon is a great privilege thank you very much i understand there's an interesting story from today's journey harry involving a milkshake small oh, yeah. small um accident pulled out with this milkshake essentially that mcdonald's if anyone from mcdonald's is listening stop using paper straws because they don't work they don't work and no. paul learned that it doesn't work and took the lid off his milkshake <laughs> and uh, yeah and most of it ended up on my face oh, <laughs> oh, um, but it was very nice this strawberry milkshake was very nice Good results today, yeah, Good results, yeah. Back. Yeah. We're not on naught anymore. You're 50% strike rate. We'd settle that for a few months' time. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, we had two nice winners. Uh, Tommy Servo was obviously unlucky. Um, sustained a small injury, but hopefully we're okay. Um, yeah, it's a good start. Yeah, brilliant. Well done. Briefly touch on this, that like this last week, with no racing, nothing going on, like certainly us two on Saturday, it was like the weirdest thing. We'd kind of watch the first two lots and then normally we'd be jumping in the car to like rush off to races and both Paul and I were like, well, what happens now? Yeah, like, you yeah, were like, all yeah. last week, you had no plans to make uh, anything, did I you? I was bored stiff last week, I have to say. You're in the office and normally, all through from October, you've got entries to do, declarations to do, people to deal with, decisions to make, horses to work out where they're going, and you don't stop. And it was right up to Sandown last week, even mm-hmm. to the Friday morning for Sandown, trying to make sure we run them in the right races. All goes, all decisions, never stop. And then all of a sudden, Monday, nothing. Poof, nothing. And I must admit, on Saturday, when I didn't have to go racing again, as I said, it was lots almost. <laughs> and and it's just like that. But, you you, you know, you, the first couple of weeks at the end of the season are, are a bit like that, and then you yeah. soon get over it. There's plenty of things to do. We've got so much to do. And lots of horses to buy and sell and gallops to maintain. And, you know, all the cleaning and steam cleaning. But it's a different routine. You just get yeah. in a routine, and you're out of routine all of a sudden, and you just got to chill a little bit. Exactly. It's all quite difficult to come to terms with. Straight away, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah, I think Paul and I like being flat out of the races. Yeah, like it's like cool it. to be. Well, and it's it's a nice thing that, like, although there's a lot of pressure for Paul, but like on a Saturday morning, if you, if you've got fifteen chances at two Grade One tracks, like that's a brilliant thing to do. You watch the workers for the week, the next week coming, and then you get in the car and you go racing. Yeah, and like there's masses to look forward to all season. And as Paul said, like it's just a huge change of routine to suddenly go from. All those runners, yeah, loads of pressure on Paul, but like, luckily this season's been like amazing days. Mm-hmm. To all of a sudden going, well, this was this game of football on later or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. watch bloody Carnation Street. Or something <laughs> like that. But um, Line of Duty, Line of Duty. I did watch that last night. That was absolutely brilliant. Love it. And I, I enjoy this time. We are trying to, you know, like a football squad. In fact, getting 
somehow yeah. some on the transfer list as we say and so yeah. on and buying lots of new ones. I think we've already bought about twenty new ones. Is that right? Thought. So yeah. you know, you've got to just keep getting this squad better for next year. Yeah. And we've got Doncaster Sales coming yeah. up, Paul. So those horses that are handicapped the hilt or whatever, they get moved on. Yeah. Found homes for and, and in come the new young blood. Well, normally we sort of sell 20 or 25, but this year it's a bit, bit different. We haven't, there's a few going on and a couple going to the sales and we've found quite a few other homes, but there weren't actually that, because we had such a young team, as it were, didn't yeah. have that many that really, oh, were, really? wanted, um, you know, as it were, transfer. And so yeah. um, we have quite a huge number of horses mm-hmm. next season, which is good. Just um, to put you in the mind of Paul for a second, we were travelling back from Cheltenham in the middle of April and... Um, <laughs> Paul was already planning the, so basically there's a two day meeting at Chepstow in October that we always it's like our big start to the season and Paul's already like I've got about seven runners at that meeting already <laughs> that are fancy but like that gives you an idea of like the planning that goes into it yeah. like it's not it's not just like oh next week there's some racing on like already there yeah. are horses in the field at the moment that have got bookmarks next to them and targets yeah. for October or November or whatever it might be uh, talking of targets I was stranded at Cheltenham and you very kindly gave me a lift back and um, I was there the day that Kupatana became the 3,000th British jump winner and in the car you were talking about the next 1,000 winners mm. how old would you be if you trained 1,000 more winners 2,000 and that incredible planning that goes into it and drive the want to train those winners we were talking about this with Will last week Harry won't be he wants mm. to be champion time and time again it's no it's no accident that, that you've been champion 11 times and Goodness, you, how many more you said that like the three thousand national winner was like a big one for you, didn't you? Yeah, it was. It was you know a big total, and um, you know if we could, I, I was looking at I've got a plaque in my garage I think with a two thousandth winner, which was a horse called Quarter Stone I think, and um, that was only eight years ago. So if we can keep going as we are now, um, in eight years' time, yeah. When he'd be 65. So then. another thousand before you get your pension pool. We only just started, but it would be nice to get 4,000. No one's done that. No. I mean, and Nicky is obviously trained a few more than me, but he's been training 13 years longer and I can't see his Nicky. No, Nicky would have that sight in his target. I wouldn't know, have thought so, no. So, you know, I, that's what I'd like to be able to do one day is try and get that 4,000 and it'd be nice to get a few more championships but at the end of the day get as much pleasure as that as obviously winning all those big races absolutely you know, getting right. those good young horses coming on through and winning lots of good races and it's getting the best out of everything for the, your clients really it's a great year Paul with some great horses and yeah. horses that look to have great futures like top of the yeah. game their next year's Gold Cup yeah. horses Clanders Oboe who's been nurtured for the last three yeah. or four years great to see them really coming yeah. good and some great novice chases next year you know Grand Sancy Getaway Trump Big Dory, on and on, a real nice horses going novice chasing, and then all those super horses that the bumper of winners last year to go novice early. So it's really exciting times. Yeah, I say, I say. Just you had a little change of policy this season, didn't you, with keeping your bumper horses yeah. there for another year? So like the Enrillos and Fabulouses and Ezons and Ask for Glories, Flicker Voyos, like those horses are going to be five going six, and like you're, I know you're excited about them, aren't you? Yeah, and you used to sort of give you also bumper run or two, two of match one, and then go hurdling, but. I think three or four runs and bumpers in there first is not going to do any of them any harm. It's no different to the point of pointers having a few runs and when I bought big bucks and coolest staff from Ireland uh, from France, sorry, is you know, they were four when we bought them. They've been in that three straightforward old season. I think mm-hmm. Coulter had run nine times and big bucks might run nine times. Is that right? So it doesn't do them any harm to go and have a run or two, just not not abuse them, not look after them. So yeah. they as as four stroke five year olds, two or three bumper runs, 
then another Sirlin in the autumn they're fighting, then you've got something going and we're going to have a supply chain. So hopefully if they're good horses, another Sirlin for a season, five stroke six, and then a novice chasing when they're six. And I think that's the most important thing really, a lot of those good horses want to be novice chasing at six. So you get mature and strong and right. you get the best out of them. Whereas in the past you've probably gone a bit sooner Crept than that. on with some of them, yeah, and yeah. you win a you know, you win a novice over the four year old, then you go chase him when you're five. Mm -hmm. A lot of them it does suit like Donald McDonald's is a great example. Although he's French bred, he won was it three or four or five novice chases last year, a four yeah. stroke five year old. Mm -hmm. Okay, you got an injury and you might think, well perhaps we could have been a bit more patient, but he'll come back. And it's just horses for courses really, but I think we're just being a bit more patient with them. Well it seems to pay dividends this season anyway, that's for sure. Um, one of your what season you've probably been most proud of, Paul, for for a good while anyway. Yeah, obviously you know had a few dark times over the last few years and things changed um, at home and one thing or another. But you you sort of get over that. And last year you know we were back you know firing um, and basically because we had you know we had a really good team of staff that were brilliant, good team of horses and everything came together again last year and. Um, you, everybody, you have peaks and troughs. You look at Man United or Chelsea or Man City. You're not going to win the Premiership every year. You just no. kind of, depending on your team, you're going to have little dips and troughs. But you've got to maintain consistency. And last year was, yeah, I must say, because at the start of the season, I did not honestly believe we could be champion no. trainer, or the team could be championship team. But anyway, we we put all that behind us and got on. So yeah, it was a, you know mm. one of the proudest seasons I've had, and one of the best I think for what we had. We did really well, so it was good. You said your highlight last year was Clan King George, was it? Clan, yeah, there's about winning a tenth King George was brilliant, but there was obviously some yeah really good highlights. Winning another Cheltenham race from Milano, Mr. Barber with top yeah, the game. Yeah, great, you know, he's great, a great highlight. Supporter of mine, that was a good one. But and again, he's in Clan Desabot and Jed Mason's in in Clan Desabot. Jed's a big supporter, sponsor of the yard. He was so excited. I think he had the best ever time in a McDonald's coming back. Yeah, from <laughs> really. When Jed was. Going around now singing to everyone, he just won the King George. I think they were all thought he was some raving lunatic, but Jed gets a lot of pleasure from it. But there's lots, always lots of highlights. And um, yeah, the eight winners one day and five at Wincanton. It's our job to pick out highlights. But I, I, I was very proud to win a 10 King George's. That was a big thing. Yeah, I'm and sure. the highest rated chaser now in England, yeah. back, yeah. back in Ditcher, which is cool. Surname, yeah, highest rated chaser. Um, and on, on handicap rating, I can see why, you know, just his annihilation that day when he beat Politolog and all yeah. those, on a, strictly on a handicap basis. Um, yeah, he deserves to be the highest rated. It doesn't mean he's better than than um, than Altior. And Altior's a champion two miler, and they're probably never going to meet over two. They could do next year over two and a half. But uh, you know, you're only handicapped on what you beat. Mm -hmm. And that day, Asker when he won, he was just like awesome to beat Politolog. You think seventeen lengths, I think it was, and and waiting yeah. patiently, and, and then look at the champion chase from Politolog, which is behind Altior. That's right. You can just see the hand on that point, but it doesn't mean mean anybody's. But it's obviously nice to have the highest rated chaser in training in Ditchy again. And what a horse he is to watch. He just jumps and gallops from the front, weighs his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? What a horse. Yeah, and no, I think there's a huge improvement to come from him physically. I think another summer's going to do him the world of good. He'd gone a bit light towards the end of the season. Uh, he puts a lot into everything. He's just beginning yeah. now to relax and be where we want him. I think next year will be a lot easier to train him. He changed last year after a couple of runs, and now we've got on top of him, and he's got to trust us. I think it'd be a lot easier to train. We'll have a lot more fun with it. I believe it or not, I still think there's more improvement to come from him. I'm not what saying an exciting thought that is. That is an exciting I mean, thought. He, he is, he's exciting also. You said uh, mid-season after you was sort of beaten early on, you changed the training of him, but what did you do differently? Well, he was just very free. You know? So we used to just do basically two two and three up the hill with him. So one day do two, next day do three, one day two, one day three, just get him fit like that. There's only so fit you can actually get them doing that. Yeah. 
because you could never ride him on the flat gallops around the loops because he would just be a terrible. He just would oh, not really? relax. He would not stop. And he was dangerous. Yeah. But for some reason, after a second run, we just thought, oh, let's just drive him down the bottom once and see what happens. And he, he just completely switched off. God, really? And over a period of a couple of three weeks, he, he, he started doing it more often. And now he'll go down there and lead the string and he's relaxed. He'll work back. Just a different animal. And he's like that in his races, so he'll relax and he'll trust you. Mm. And it just meant that we could get him fitter and better. And I, yeah, so that's why I think there's more to come next year. Scott Marshall, big keen yeah. for success riding him every day. Yeah, he is, because not everyone could have ridden him, had the patience to ridden him. Like Scott's been a big part of that horse's life. As he has planned as a boat, Scott's a top man. But, you know, he, 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 he took a lot of game. This is my great saying Rome wasn't built in a day. I always thought he was a good horse, but it was. When he was hurting, I was just pulling my hair out because he really? just couldn't do anything going down the start. He'd bolt and a race he'd run free and stupid. And you knew he was good. But you knew he was good. Yeah. If we could just get that, get him to relax. And then when we went chasing with him, we just turned the corner. Sean Bone was a big part of him in his early days. And surely, you know, if ever we needed somebody to ride him, surely he'd be the first person I'd ask. Would he? Yeah, very good. Top class rider, isn't he? Top class rider, well, yeah. Um, Paul, going back to how you first got into it. Interesting, something you mentioned to me the other day is how involved you were when Seagram before Seagram won the Grand National, and it was after that you decided to start training in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, well, in nineteen eighty nine, I had an accident at home, broke my leg really badly. Uh, I was probably struggling, and to be light enough to ride, I was out. Yes, you imagine, I had a big trouble with my weight. In fact, one of the only person ever to get over anorexia, <laughs> and I was struggling, and I got kicked in at a year eight. So I ended up assistant to David and Jenny. And we won the Grand National with Seagram in 1991. And I remember planning that with David all through the season. Um, and it came off and he won. And I just had that bug for training. And because I was heavily involved in the training of the horses with him, I remember we won a four-mile national chase with a horse called Topsham Bay. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Seagram won the National. I just thought, after we on the Sunday morning after we won the National in 91, I just thought, oh, I really want to do this. And I've been here long enough now. I'm not going to learn anymore. I'm going to have to start training somewhere. And I just had the bug. And um, there was an advert in the Racing Post one day in May, not long after the National, and it was Mr. Barber that advertised in his yard here in Ditchett. And I remember it said, uh, small yard in Somerset uh, for rent, successful applicant will support the landlord with a couple of horses. I knew it was Paul Barber because Richard, who I'd ridden for, his brother, marked my car, so I was straight on the phone to Paul. It was only about 7.30 in the morning. He said, what kept you? <laughs> and I've only just got the Racing Post. He said, come and see me tomorrow. So I drove up to Somerset. The next day, and I remember driving along thinking, God, I hope that all weather gallop's part of this because there was this big gallop up over a hill, which I thought would be what all of what I want. There was no all seed rape anywhere near or a corn, it was all pasture ground and cows and one thing that. And I came and met Mr. Barber, who I'd actually ridden a winner for, funny enough, for, oh, for really? the late John Thorne. And yeah, Paul had horses with him, so I'd ridden a winner. Um, still got the picture of my office wall, and we'd be coming into the winner's enclosure, actually. A horse called Winterland in Newton Abbott all those years ago. I did not know that. Yeah, in Mr. Barber's colours, yeah. And anyway, so Paul knew me, and I came up with the interview, and I don't know whether I talked a little bullshit or what, but I, Paul said that I've got a couple of other people to interview. I'll give you a call on Monday, whatever. It was Monday evening, Trudeau's where the phone rang, and Paul said, it's yours. Fantastic. So, you know. Life-changing that, moment. Life-changing moment. Yeah. And moved here in October 91, eight horses. And um, the rest is history. Incredible. Um, first winner was Olveston, yeah. owned by your father. Yeah. Written by Hugh Davis, I noticed. Right. Hugh Davis, he wrote a few for us when we started, and because um, I knew him from my time with David Barons. And yeah, Olveston was owned by some um, my dad and his friends, uh, great late Alan Taylor. Um, I can't think else who was in it. Anyway, he, you know, and Olveston was a village I grew up in, so yeah. it was quite an appropriate winner, really. I'll say. 
So that was the first of 3,000 or so now. Incredible. And Paul, you got to know sort of the loser racing pretty quickly as well. Your first grade one winner, Seymour Indians, was killed, obviously, um, and looked like being absolutely top class, but he was the one that sort of got your name in people's well, minds. Yeah, Seymour Indians was the first, he, he, was one of the, he was the first horse I bought, actually, with Paul. When I went in, I think August 91, we went to Doncaster Sales and bought Seymour Indians. Um, he'd won a couple of bumpers with Jerry Blum, and um, he then won the Falcon for me, my first grade one. Sadly, just after that, he got killed out in the, yeah. out in the field. Um, he, I think he got kicked and something happened. He broke his leg or his shoulder or something, if I can remember rightly. So because of him, he was by what's called Seymour Hicks. Richard, Paul's brother, bought a gelding at the store sale called mm -hmm. by Seymour Hicks. It ended up being called Seymour Business. And in the end, Paul ended up owning him with um, John Keithley and Seymour Business went on and won you know, won a gold cup for us in all those good races in King George's and was the first real, real superstar we had. So possibly if Seymour Indians hadn't got hurt, we might no. not have bought Seymour Business. So it was just a chain of events that sort of followed. And of course, Seymour Business was the first really, really good horse. Uh, Deep Brown, what was Mr. Barber bought for me to train? We won at for Diamond with him in a couple of good races, but Seymour Business was the first real proper horse we had. And was top class for years, Paul, won two yeah. King George's yeah. for you, as well as a Gold Cup. And that year in 99, you know, he won the Gold Cup, we had a most, I never had a Cheltenham winner, and flagship Uberalis won the Arkle on the Tuesday, Coleco Name won the Champion Chase on the Wednesday, and Seymour Business won the Gold Cup on the Thursday. Three Cheltenham winners a week, and we were away. Incredible, and I, I kept started working for you that, that yeah. winter after yeah. that, and remember those horses Imagine being sort them. of the holy grail they yeah. were amazing horses yeah and they were. Like, you know Seymour Business went on and was placed in many more gold cuts won two King George's Charlie Halls he won everything he was a brilliant horse for me and uh, Cole Ackerham sadly never really he just like that was a pinnacle he, he was hard to train but he won the champion chase and never did anything again afterwards and flagship Uberalis was a brilliant horse but yeah. Like things things change and Owen and I fell out unfortunately he ended up on his travels and he ended up being one of the most travelled horses around but he, he, he was a good horse as well Absolutely. Went on to do great things yeah. after that, didn't he? Paul, it took a few years um, until, I think, 2005 or six. champion trainer for the first time. What was that like to... Martin, you've been runner-up to Martin Pike for, for a few years. Yeah, but seven But then years, to yeah. actually get your head in front and win that coveted championship, what was that like? Yeah, that was, that was brilliant. The, the, all I can really remember is the first day I won the championship in the morning. Uh, I was all set off to go to the sand in the morning line and whatever was on. Then Martin Pike announced that day that he was retiring. I remember, yeah. So, um, so it, it was like, a, it was a funny day. It was really a bit of a bittersweet day in that, you know, all the media, you know, I just won the championship and um, Martin retired. Um, and it was, you know, it was, a, yeah, obviously Martin, I mean, a brilliant trainer, trained all those winners. There was a lot of interest in that rather than yeah, me course. being champion trainer. Yeah. But it was the first of, it was 11 and That's it was right. great to be there. And, you know, I was lucky to have those really good horses and have some real good, you know, from then yeah. on, I was quite, you know, it was, was quite lucky to win the champion. At the end of the day, I remember thinking, if I didn't win the trainer's championship at one time with all those good horses I had, yeah. I'd probably blown things really. So, but then towards the end, and then, you know, you know, those horses were going on, and I think one of the best battles I ever had was with Willie Mullins three years ago yeah, when he yeah, went to the very last day, and that, that was, was hard work. And then, you know, we we were like eight to one against going into the last week of the season, or he was eight to one on. And we went to Ware and won the Scottish National and had four winners that day and four at Wincant the next That's day, went right. everywhere, and ended up on the very last day of the season beating Willie. And that was that was tense, that was a really second good one. and fourth in the Whitbro that day, were we? I think that, <sighs> that was a lot of pressure, yeah. Just yeah. Par just beating yeah. his second Whitbro, right. that was it, yeah. yeah. And it was almost like England versus Ireland, it was a bit yeah, of international absolutely. competition, and everybody wanted you know the British racing to win. Yeah. 
English. Anyway, it was, it was all done in good, good, good manner, and Willie and I are good mates, and yeah, good mates. We know each other, we shook hands, and it was just good for racing. This year, I had a lot more pressure out of it. You know, there wasn't yeah. any, you know, went into, going into the last week of the season thinking, oh my God, we're going to go here, there, and everyone. It, it was all over and done. That's right. And it made things, and to have two winners on the last day was brilliant. Yeah. So it was, it was, this year was amazing, really. Um, Paul, you had all those good horses all at the same time about 10 years ago. Mm. And I'm sure you could, you'd get, have given everything to thin them out a little and have one every year. Yeah. But uh, to have those incredible titanic battles with Corto and Denman was always the press loved every second yeah. of it. And yeah, and I wouldn't have swapped any of that, you know. Along with those, I had Masterminded, Neptune, Colonge, Big Bucks. So we were sport, really. But it just like they all helped each other. I think yeah. all those good horses brought each other along a bit. Yeah, and I think that helped. And it was just like oh, it was a huge pressure. I can't explain to you anymore what the pressure was like. No. Great to have those horses, and everyone says how lucky you are. Yeah, not everyone would deal with the pressure, and the Clifford no. was massive as well. We had a lot of pressure with those horses. Too. We had to deliver. You know, you imagine every time they went for a big one, they had to be right, they had to win. Big bucks, they were 18 to consecutive races. And Corto, you know, was winning his King George for, what, five King Georges? Yeah. And all those horses had to deliver, and the pressure was on all the time. And also a lot of pressure when you had the two running against each other, you know, and sure. there was different results, different times, they all had different aspects. It was it was it was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But it was quite tough as well. Yeah, I'm sure. But horses of a lifetime, and I just thought actually after all they retired, we never get anything else. Suddenly, put Silver Nanko Conti pops up yeah. in team, two King Georges. Then we had a couple of leaner years just yeah. to rebuild again, and then look where we are again this year. Another King George with Silver, with Sophie, with um, Flanders of O and Frodon performing. But though that time of that era was just amazing. But a lot, a lot of pressure. Right, and maybe a good point to just. While you're talking about that era, talk about as long with Clifford, your like main ally at yeah. that time with Ruby Walsh, like just yeah. retired now. You know, he was an he was not busy in Ireland. Just when we had all those good ones, we wanted someone to ride a lot of those horses, so it just fitted in nicely that he came over and rode when he could. And he was, you know, looking after Willie and I. Willie wasn't as powerful and as big as in those days, and just worked well. And what a brilliant jock he was, and a good friend, and we had a brilliant relationship. My favourite race from that period was Denman's second Hennessy yeah. but we've talked before and I don't think we can underestimate what a brilliant ride Tidal Bay to win the Lexus Chase was that day absolutely yeah. phenomenal yeah. that was a brilliant ride he kept saying to me all season that make sure you enter Tidal Bay for the Lexus it's sort of race might suit him and boy God, he was right I mean we'd won Lexus with Denman I think Neptune Colonge yeah, definitely Denman um, but Tidal Bay that was one of the most tactically mm. brilliant rides you'll ever see Demo in the second hand, he was good. You could say quarter is fifth. I mean, there's so many brilliant rides he gave those horses, but Tidal Bay was a special day. Yeah, because he, he wasn't really a Grade One Lexus winner necessarily. No, he was a good horse, but he was just a little bit under to win a Lexus Chase with him, and the manner he did it was brilliant. Just think if you had him as a four-year-old, though. Oh, loved him. Yeah, <laughs> you won some races yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> and Paul, it's that sort of nurturing, I think, and keeping those good horses sound for year upon year. I think that sets you apart. As, as well as the coping with the pressure, aided by Clifford, of course, mm. um, who is absolutely the most consistent, we've said it before on the podcast, the most consistent man you'll ever meet. Mm. But I think it's the way you deal with that pressure that sets, sets this team apart. One thing a lot of trainers wouldn't have had to cope with, what's it like when you're sending your nephew out to ride in the past? <laughs> Probably terrifying. Or, or, sending, or sending your daughter Megan out to ride for you, admittedly, nowadays on the flat. But Yeah, yeah well, Megan... Megan. Because you see your daughter and you like girls, you don't want to see the girls getting hurt, and you're always a little bit nervous like that. Even with Brian, you are, but they're tough. And yeah, Megan riding on the flat, um, 
is good. It, you know, it means I don't have to make decisions and putting her up on jumpers and things like <laughs> that. But she's doing very, very well on the flat and is getting more involved in sort of finding owners and hopefully get more involved in buying horses. And Harry, of course, well, he couldn't freaking ride anyway. So it was just like, you have to go out and cross your fingers so you come back in one piece and come back with a winner. But we gave him so many steering jobs over that short career that it sort of made up for any of that. And he did ride a Cheltenham winner. So I think when I did retire, I think the most relieved man was Paul Nichols because he thought, God, I'd have to use him anymore. We might yeah. start training a few more winners now. Mind you, Paul, uh, Paul if he hadn't ridden Salubris that, he wouldn't have had a Cheltenham winner. Yeah. So he had but his biggest supporter was my dad or his granddad. And I mean, dad always thought he was the next thing since Ruby Washington before he rolled into one. <laughs> but I didn't give him a ride on a weekend. My God, I didn't get spoke to for a week. So Harry, Is that right? That's right. So Harry used to get rides because of that. To show really? everybody up. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah we, there, yeah. You can't underestimate that. Like let Grandad know. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we've all moved on since then. He's doing a good job now. Paul, we've got a few questions here. We asked on Twitter earlier. Right, Any questions for you? Um, nothing too controversial. We'd delighted no. to hear about. Um, <laughs> We're sad to hear that, actually. First one, as you, we touched on earlier. This time of year, your routine changes because you haven't got the fixation of what racing's coming up. What happens, Anna Day says, what happens to the horses go off on a holiday in the summer? Do you keep the staff on? And what happens to them when the horses go out? Well, you know, most of the staff are uh, yeah, sort of five or six weeks holiday this time of year. I'm trying to stagger that over a period. So it's summer still in, you know, then we've got horses to come back in in July. We've got horses maintenance to do. There's lots going on all the time. So we stagger the holiday. No one ever gets laid off. If they want an extra couple of weeks holiday, you know, off their own back, that's up to them. And everyone has the opportunity to do that. So by the time they got their pool money, which hopefully after they have a good time is good, mm -hmm. and their wages. And that, that's a bonus of, of a percentage of the earnings yeah. all the horses, yeah. which, which is your yard with quite obviously. Yeah, pool money, money this season, as a member of staff, I can vouch for, has been excellent. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's a great bonus. So, you get that. so a lot of them, you know, have a couple of extra weeks off. The biggest thing we do in basically May and June is every single box gets steam cleaned, disinfected, painted, finished, and left each and every box for 28 days without horse in it. So both yards are completely empty for a 28 day period, um, which I think all the doors, everything open, just yeah. refreshes, cleans everything up, and then we start again. Yeah. So everything has to be done by the 14th of July when most of them come back in and the staff will all come back. So yeah, busy old time really. Um, going back to training pool, MK Kelly asked, you shared a morning with Nicky Henderson. It's a build-up to Johnson mm -hmm. Ali Day. What did you take from the experience? And given the choice, which yard would you like to visit in the future of any trainer in Britain or Ireland? I know Nicky's got some good wine in his cellar. I learned that, that's for sure. <laughs> um, enjoyed that. But um, seriously, Nicky's got a great setup, great grass gallops. But it's saying much with us, the simplicity of it, the routine, the great staff. And it works. I mean, I'd probably be lost if I went to train. It'd probably take me a couple of years to get used to training there. Mm, and if Nicky moved here, it would be because two totally different operations and setups. But you just make the best out of what you've got. You wouldn't be able to use the grass down here because it's all sort of lush vale country. It's all deep clay, isn't yeah. it? You, you have to use your all-weather gallops. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and the gallops up at uh, seven hours are brilliant. But I think Nicky's struggled a little bit this spring because it's been dry and it does a lot more on the all-weather gallops. And none of us these days would manage all-weather gallops. No, absolutely. Best thing ever really invented. And, and we basically train ours completely on the all-weather gallop. Any other setup you've been intrigued to see? I want to go and see Gordon Elliott. I've not got there yet. We'll be very interested, and everybody seems to go and have a look at that. And I've not been to Willie's, so I'd quite like to just go and have a look. It'll be very really? interesting Goodness. to see, yeah. Um, Hurricane Higgins asked, why no runners at Punchestown this year? Well, <laughs> mine, I, mine had all run out of energy. I didn't have anything left to, to run, really. You know, all the good horses had run at Cheltenham and Aintree. Uh, a lot of the babies weren't ready. Um, I, I, there was a couple, possibly, but 
getaway Trump ended up winning an underground race at Sandown, which was a big pot to win. And yeah. Black Autumn won a valuable race at um, Sandown. So it's good prize money in this country. And I like, you know, if you're trying to win trainers' championships, you, you've got to win what you can out here. Absolutely. It didn't matter come the end. And I've had some real good winners at Punchestown over the years, but they've always been the good, the great white horses and the better race. I think it's quite tough for us to win the handicaps out there. Yeah. But next yeah. year, I, I, you know, like Clandesabo probably would have been better off going to Punchestown and perhaps he'd gone to Aintree. But if he'd gone out there, he'd have to met Kemboy in Alboom Photo, which wouldn't exactly been... No. It's no cakewalk, was it? Absolutely um, not, no. And there might be a time you get a horse that is perhaps well handicapped and is fresh and for whatever reason goes, and, and would do quite well. Yeah. And I would, I'd love Punchestown, and don't get me wrong, if I get the right horses next year, we'll be there. And it's great, you know, the team sent Kay de Belay out there and they won the Fox Hunters for the second year, you know, ably headed by Rose, done a brilliant job. There's such a good race in the UK. And if I can win good races here, why go abroad? Absolutely right. Um, but Punchestown is great, and we'll definitely be back there with some good horses. Ideal. Damon Giles asks, who are the best bumper horses or novice hurdlers to come this autumn? Well, the best, we got some really lovely bumper horses that won last year, McFabulous, Enrillo, uh, As for Glory, Flicker Voyou, Eritage, Silver Forever, I could go on and on, we got some really lovely horses to go, but yeah, on form, McFabulous was probably at the top of this, but there's some really nice horses. Of the unraced horses people wouldn't have heard of, Paul, who are you looking forward to? The unraced ones, I don't really know enough about them, we had sort of 10 or 12 horses that now turn four, there's you know, one of the owners got called Force 10 we quite liked. Flash Colange is another nice horse, and we've got a nice filly called Kilmington Rose. But until you get those going again in the autumn, you won't really know. So there are some nice four-year-olds there. Yeah. And, they, and one that probably people don't know that much of that. I'm really looking forward to Novice Chase in his pig Dory, who ran in the trial for yeah. us, but he, he hadn't acclimatised. He had good form in France, and he'd be out sort of November time. And that was his first run in Britain yeah. in the trial, yeah. And he travelled beautifully, and he just, like, he wasn't, you know, he just, typical French horse, just come over, just... Yeah. wasn't quite right but he's a very nice horse really like him um, I'm just going to ask plan, plans for Caldestan next year one of my favourites of the yard yeah Caldestan I mean that's an interesting one I mean he would jump a fence but you know he might just be a horse who could end up turning into a stairs hurdle or so, oh, know, really? trip, so yeah. he's actually got an interesting flat mark of about 63 has he really yeah so you might be worth using that early in somewhere like Bath or a mile 6 to just get a nice run into him and then make a plan as to whether we, we, we stay over hurdles or go chasing with them. I've just got a feeling we might just stay over hurdles with him, but that's not set in stone. That leads me to Dave Gardner's question. Similar sort of a horse then, Cliffs of Dover. What are any plans for him? Yeah, he just sustained a, a little injury on his last run, so he, he's a bit injury prone. So he's had a little break. He'll, he'll come back probably running November time when there's cut in the ground and just start hurdling again. He's, he's probably not a typical chaser, to be honest with you. Would no. jump a fence, but he's probably not a typical chaser. He's pretty good on the flat, too. Megan's got well, a good record with him. Back. Well, I mean, we'll probably get him back and have a good run on the flat, you know, back end of the season, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alex McCabe. If there are any two or three horses in training from any yard in the country that you could handpick, who would they be? Well, you'd obviously have Altior, so I think he's, he's a very smart horse. Um, what else would I pick? So his assistant wouldn't mind Paisley Park. No, Paisley Park. Paisley Park's obviously a smart horse. I, I don't know whether they go chasing with him. Whether he, he's a, he's I don't smart think so owner. next year. No, I don't no, know what they're doing. So. He might stay what he's doing. And also, I, just again, <laughs> classical dream I loved in the Supreme. Of Willis and one in Ireland last yeah. week, yeah. And he looks yeah. like he could go champion over the yeah, I mean, there's one, like, there's quite a few Willis you wouldn't mind, would you? <laughs> quite a few, it's fair. And some of Gordon's, like, but you know, every it's always you know, you concentrate on your own, and there's no point dreaming about having other horses, you know. Um, James Sills asked, Will his ditch it favourite Captain Bucks ever win over fences? Well, I hope so because I now own, own half of them with my pal John Gain, and we've <laughs> sold on Monte Gibraltar, so we're basically going to replace Monte Gibraltar. 
with Captain Bugs. So he'll go to Rose Loxton next year and start off point to point. Oh, and he definitely win races and, and he definitely win hunter chairs. He's quite an immature young horse, but definitely win races. You heard that first, James. Um, Smug Punter asks, if you were the top of the BHA, what change, what one change would you make, Paul? That's a difficult question. Um, you know, we don't always agree. Would you have a break in the but, summer? Yeah, I think possibly, I think too much of jump racing on. Especially someone I was looking someone next week. The street jump meeting's on next week all in one day. I, and, I, and they all moan about small fields, but there's, there's almost too much racing with horses there are to go about. I have to say, this time of year, we remember what jump racing was like last year when there was no rain. The reservoirs were high because we had a very wet winter. The reservoirs are rock bottom right. at the moment. I don't see how we can be thinking about watering all summer if we have a similar summer to last year You're to right. go jump, to I, provide I safe ground. I absolutely hate watered ground because I don't think watered ground particularly necessarily provides um, safe ground because I think it, it can provide on times patchy ground. Everybody makes a huge effort, but um, I, I, I mean, if there was a month of six weeks off, you know, I don't think it would do anybody any harm at all. And it would define the seasons a little bit. Ends one day and then you have five days off and you start again. I mean, why? May, I think May's a good month to race because you have horses, a lot of horses to run. But June, perhaps, or perhaps yeah. middle of June to middle of July, something, have a month off and give everyone a chance and just might just thin things out a little bit. Um, and yeah, that's one thing I've always thought there's just too much racing. That's interesting to hear from someone as driven as you that yeah. you wouldn't be opposed to a, a little break like we used to have back in I the day. I think do everybody good. Yeah, there you go. And one f amusing question John Rush has asked. Um, Paul, we've heard you talk about loft disease in the past. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'll let you explain what that is. But are there any horses that you've said have got loft disease and have come back and surprised you? So loft disease basically is... It's someone I won't mention any names. One of the jockeys got off a year ago and got off, walked away from one of the top jockey and said <laughs> to the owner, "That's got loft disease," and walked off. Just finished last about the fourth time of the time. The owner said to me, "What do you mean loft disease? Lack of fucking talent." <laughs> and um, so I, I sometimes say, and I horse called the last but one. It was a Chatham Syndicate horse, nice horse, but he did a couple of runs for us, and he was like nigh on useless. And we ran him in a maiden hurdle at Hereford one day, and he got beat by a twelve-year-old maiden who was rated about sixty. And I think Harry rode him, yep. got off and said to me, you'll never win with this. I thought, you're right, Harry. And so one of the owners, so I was there that day, and there's some lovely owners there, and I said, just teasing, so I'm afraid he's got loft disease, and explained to them why. Anyway, whatever. And we left that horse out for three months, and he was ticking away here, and when, and we, 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 we were going to Musselboro in February, and I just thought, oh, I'll give it a run over fences. And I kept saying to them, what's that horse there? The last one. No, it's not. The last one. He just suddenly physically improved and went and went all the way. So he sent, chucked him on the lorry to make the numbers up to Musselburgh. Novice handicap chase. Made all the run in and won. And won <laughs> about four on the trot. Went at that rate about 135. I should never forget. One lady said to me one day after he won at Wing Canton, "You're some judge, and you said it had loft disease." <laughs> I said, "Well, he obviously got over it." You <laughs> found that cure. But there's plenty with loft disease, and there's not a cure. <laughs> While we have you, Paul, we got the same for Will to do last week. Basically, much to our surprise, there's more than my mum and Ryan's wife, Megan, that listens. It's supposed to me as well. Yeah, and we've got a couple of people that have like sent us a message. So if you could read a name and then quickly we'll say thanks, mate, after. You'll recognise the top name, Paul. Dan Collins. Thanks, mate. Mark Caldwell. Thanks, mate. Adam. Thanks, mate. Ashley Witcher. My cousin. Thank you, Ash. Lawrence Marshall. Thanks, mate. David Windsor. Thanks, Dave. Mike Jones. Thanks, Mike. Ed Henderson. Thanks, Ed. Ruby Walsh. 
Ed Henderson, would he be, would that be fair to say um, the worst ride rider you've ever had? No, I think he's one of the best riders, never turned professional and wasted ever, Ed Henderson. He was hugely talented jockey. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Time firmly in cheek, I think. I've never heard that from anyone else. No. He was a hugely talented boy. Just if he'd have been more dedicated, he'd have made it. Well, We're very excited that, Paul and I, that Ed is about to join the army. And We're one day we dream of government. winning the Grand oh, Military really? Gold Cup with yeah. Ed Henderson. Yeah. We yeah. may have to have him on one week to talk yeah. about that. If Ed does get qualified and turns out to be a successful tank driver <laughs> and he comes back and... Um, <laughs> Has he joined the tank regiment or the... I'm not Royal sure what he's Whatever he joined, anyway. It'd be nice to win one of those Royal Artillery Grand Military Gold Cups one day, oh, ridden by good. young Ed. I think that about concludes it, doesn't it? Well, Paul, thanks for coming on. Team Ditcher is the foundation of this podcast and we've got a huge following thanks to you and it's been an amazing season. We've enjoyed every part of it. Yeah, thanks, lads, and I hope, you know, we can do it again. <laughs>